Welcome to the Smarticle Podcast, where we take a good article and make it gooder. Hey, it's Faith Fridays, Brandon. Please refrain from using the F, S, or C words because we're going to get into an enlightened mood. So, do we have that clear? Funny, silly, and okay. and careful. As we normally do on Fridays, we turn to our North Star, Richard Rohr, and his wonderful organization, the Center for Action and Contemplation. They're doing a series, Justice is Love in Action. This guy is cool. They're really using some work from a contemplative activist and Episcopal priest, Adam Bucko, who believes that contemplation is a universal call that prepares us to seek and do justice. This is what he says. Intimacy with God does not belong to a special group of religious professionals, but is and should be available to all. It is our birthright. It is why we were born. It is why we are here to open ourselves to the inner mystery of the heart of reality, which is the heart of each one of us, Brandon. I love this. I, you know, he is, he's an Episcopal priest, so he's definitely uh, going to err yeah. on the side of liberal uh, uh, Christianity, and which, which I'm fine with. His points were really strong. I think that I could see, I know that you, you tend to spend your life fighting against and railing against your close family members that are evangelical Christians and how much you are steeped in it. So it's like, you're like that ex smoker that now hates everybody that smokes, but he <laughs> kind of pushes at some things that I think at its core, the struggle for a lot of people is the work it takes to follow our faith also to not be selfish and ego driven. And what this guy's pushing at is saying, if you want to follow God, if you want to have true authentic faith, you have to put your ego aside. And I honestly believe at the very core, the reason many Christians have such a hard time with this sort of, if you want to call it liberal theology, liberal ideology, is because they don't want to put their egos aside. They don't want to say, wait, maybe there's something bigger than me. Well, okay, let's go to number one. He's got these steps for the beginning and path of contemplative action because I exactly want to address that. Number one was first commit to engaging with the world from a place of prayer and not ideology that gives you a sense of interconnectedness. So we all have gotten in like an argument with a wife. I had one last night, right? And sometimes when you get an argument, you start thinking about all of the things you want to say to present your case. But I feel like this number one is saying like, you're not presenting a case so that you can win something a discussion with your wife. You're trying to open yourself to seeing their side and having a discussion more than win an argument. I'm also in this with another friend who I believe anyways, it's not about an argument. It's about a discussion of openness. That is justice. And that is contemplation. Yeah. You and I have been friends for a long, long time. And we have had many arguments and discussions over the years, but in general, we both, we both believe fundamentally that we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers that we can learn a lot from other people. We're constantly, I think if people knew our relationship and kind of saw, including our wives who are like, why are you guys, anyway, um, if they could see that both of us are seeking some sort of truth, some sort of honest inspection of our lives and trying to do better. So you've always, you joke about, oh, I don't know if I believe in God. And, and I push back and say, no, you believe in it. You just don't believe in the God that you were told existed when you were growing up. You didn't believe in felt more Jesus. Now what you say is, hey, God is so much bigger 
than I could ever possibly comprehend. So I'm going to stop trying to truly comprehend God and try to comprehend how I'm supposed to follow God and in what way that's supposed to be. So here's the deal. I've come to this realization when I'm in an argument with a wife that I'm right 50% of the time and she's right 50% of the time. So we're both the, so it doesn't really, we're flipping a coin as to when we get into a discussion, who's right or wrong. So if you just go into this, go like, well, this might be my turn time to be right or wrong. Then you go into it a lot calmer. Here's the problem. I have lots of uh, problems with the Republicans and lots of problems with the Democrats, but they both have equal value. The problem now is that both sides think the other side's evil and nobody's willing to listen. This idea of contemplative justice is the idea of listening and not trying to prove yourself. Yeah, it's contemplative justice. But the point is, uh, you know, well taken. I think that that is when we come at a situation from understanding. I had this this great friend who, who I really, really, really like this guy. He's probably one of my favorite people ever. He's this crazy Brit, loves English football and TCU football and you know he he's just he's a, he's a wing nut but he is he works at this very conservative Christian college and he and I had this ongoing chat this morning about the Nancy Pelosi thing and he posited this idea that somehow that that her husband Paul Pelosi was in there with his lover and it got it's this weird I, it almost feels like a conspiracy theory thing like I almost want don't want to give it voice but his point is hey the media is not you know the media is not telling the truth the media is not like telling the full story and I'm like all you really are doing is trying to push what you want your story to be. Like, it's not good enough to say, hey, listen, I don't know why the dude was in the guy's house, but I do know the dude hit him with a hammer. So regardless of what the reason was, somebody is deeply hurt and and could have died, right? Isn't even out of the woods yet. Just because you don't, if this was somebody else, like if this was Tucker Carlson's grand or father, yeah. you know, or somebody that this person, I don't think, I don't think my buddy likes Tucker Carlson, but if it was somebody that sort of accepted his, his sort of political identity and agenda, he would probably be real sad. And I'm not saying he doesn't care about Paul Pelosi, but I think there's this overwhelming agenda to be right rather than to say, let's think about what actually happened. Violence occurred and that's bad. How can, as Christians, not, if you want the, if the world is, and Laura, by the way, my buddy is a very strong Christian believes wholeheartedly in the faith. I think he's a very, very intelligent guy, but this is just, I think it's, and now it may come out that this is what actually happened. And his point is the media doesn't share that. But my point is let's actually let it come out before you start saying that Paul Pelosi was what he was. And let's think about the guy that got hit by the hammer. All right. So steps to con- contemplative action. Contemplative that, well, action. That bring out justice, right? So first is engaging to a world of prayer. So coming at something with a place of, calm and peace, not trying to be right or wrong. The second is committing to do the work of coming to terms with your social location. So where you live, are you uh, dealing with racism, poverty, ecological devastation? Like, are you actively in your community? Not not even actively. Are you just even thinking about those things and what place do you fit into them locally? Yeah, I think that that's, but that's where people, that's where some the that's where the sort of the, I don't want to call them alt-right, but that would be where the, the ultra-conservative kind of right-wing Christian would say, here it is, that liberal agenda of trying to say that, you know, tree huggers, right? I'm like, well, didn't God create the earth? Aren't we supposed to be stewarding and fostering this thing? So being aware of the moral narratives distorted and otherwise is an important part of our faith. I mean, so why is that something that's like wrong to think that way? So right along that path, thirdly, remember that talking about justice is not the same as doing justice. 
So simplify your life and commit to ethical living by buying all of your necessities in socially responsible, ecologically minded, and human scale companies. Now, that's a hard one for Americans. Well, it is because we want what we want when we want it. So to do the research and and look, part of it is also is just time. You know, people just don't have time to do all the research. And, it, and, you know, so, and you, and let's be fair that a lot of the people that spend the time are so far out there that you don't, you know, you're like, oh, geez, man, really? You're going to, you're going to preach at me again about X because you're so woke that it's, and I think that's why I give the woke meters because the wokes are just as bad as the mangas. I had this conversation with this, this person here in town about social justice around they're really deeply embedded in foster care and their attitude is everyone needs to be in, in taking care of foster kids. And if you don't, you're an evil person. I'm like, wait, so everyone needs to believe what you believe. That's about, that's just as much ego on the other side as it is. If you say, I don't, care about these kids or they're all losers and drug addicts and let's let's do away with them you know if you're a christian you should sort of try to find the center is what i think well listen people that have foster care and take kids in those people are angels and saints it's really yes i mean totally those kids are like forgotten parts of society they used to be in orphans you know what i mean yeah now they're foster care it's those people are angels um number one or number four practice works of mercy making sure that your hands are touching the hands of someone who is suffering. I mean, how many people that really say they have fat faith touches the hand of someone who's actually suffering on a daily basis? Again, this goes to why you have such a hard time with the evangelical community, because the evangelical world, by and large, not all, there are some wonderful evangelicals out there who are caring and touching the hands and serving and caring for the sick and the needy. But by and large, there's a lot of them that are just sitting there watching Fox News saying, well, it's, it's my house and my car, and I love Jesus, Jesus, right? It's like, well, how have you taken care of the least of these lately? And they, they can't answer that question. They well, think you're a, a whack job if you do. To me, most, I mean, I would, I, I would say most evangelical Christians, that is, that's become a club and not a life that, that's lived. If you yes. don't, yeah. it's a club, which is, you know, it's a club. That, that's it. You, Latin club. Right. Well, that's why we're constantly talking about mystics in this on this podcast on God Friday, because mystics are people that step outside of the club. They say that, it, that we need to search for God beyond the club. Join a social movement is the last one if, on your um, journey of contemplative action for, for, for justice. Can you join a social movement? That, by the way, is not going and bombing your local um, uh, abortion center. That, that doesn't count. It means probably like not, a, right? I mean, I can't think of a great uh, social move would be. Well, it's that's like spending habits or um, taking care of the earth. I mean, you know, maybe you maybe you want to work for. I mean, one of the cool organizations in San Francisco is is uh, the Urban Forest Project, where yes! they plant trees. I mean, friends I, of the who, urban forest. Who can get mad at, at who can get mad at you for wanting to plant yeah. trees? I mean, there are things we can do that ideologically are not going to stretch you too far, but do really important things for the world. Right? Maybe it's volunteering to read at a public school once a week. Yeah, yeah it's funny if you join friends of the urban forest. Do you know where they plant trees mostly? It's I've in known, yeah. it's lower income areas because they don't have trees. Like they have all these scientific studies about like guess who doesn't have trees. The poor people of this world don't have trees because they don't have time. They're working, right? Rich neighborhoods, lots of trees. So it's really interesting. If you go to work for Friends of the Urban Forest, you end up going to work in 
lower depressed neighborhoods. The poor people are too busy planting trees in the rich people's neighborhoods to tend them in their own because they're gardening those neighborhoods. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I loved this article. I'm not sure. I always struggle with uh, sort of that ultra uh, liberal pastor kind of the way I struggle with the ultra conservative pastor, but I really loved, he's giving steps in the process. It's not just like words. He's saying, do these things. This is an active contemplative journey. It's not just praying. It's it's living your life out in prayer. I really liked it. I thought this was a great reminder. So I just need to close with this. My uh, friend of mine, who was a homeless guy, he lived down around the corner from me. His name was Camista. He recently passed away. Oh. Like heartbreaking. I'm almost going to cry now. He was the guy, I was reading this book and it was saying, you need to touch someone that is broken on the street. And so me and my kids would all fist pound Camista. He was like a, sort of a mangled mess, a guy living on the street. You can imagine what he smelled like, looked like. And we would touch him. And it was this, this moving, when I was in my 30s, I'd never touched a homeless person before. And he kind of taught me this idea of justice and my kids and my family. And he recently passed away. But I, this idea, number four, touching someone who is broken, that, I mean, it's powerful. Yeah, I remember Camista. I remember him. You had him in your house, and yep. he would come over, and yeah. And I, I've, I've always said this, and and not to you know blow sunshine up your ass, as mm. I would like to say on our well, God like Talk this. Friday. It's gonna get good. Is is that I feel like what you've done as a father is try to model for your kids how you think that they should behave, rather than just tell them. You're like, hey, you know, um, let's do something nice. Like Maple and I are putting together these little bags because we've got these junkies that walk up the hill to the local heroin dealer who doesn't care about them and, and just wants their money. But we're like, you know what? We're just going to give them little bags of toiletries and say, hey, look, man, we know it's tough out there. Please don't buy drugs from this guy. But if you have to, at least brush your teeth if you want to, you know? And just, I want to model for Maple that that just because one thing is bad doesn't mean everything is bad. These people didn't choose that life for the most part. They just are stuck in it. So anyway. Let's blow more more smoke up my ass on Fridays. I like oh, when we do this. Larry, you took way to take it down. That's really sad. I'm going to have to edit that part out. Anyway, once again, Larry, thank you for teaching me a God and contemplative justice, my friend.